Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher. He is Michael Lombardi. Uh, a good tease by Michael about Drew Brees, who's out at NBC. He left the door wide open. So I'm going to get to that in just a second. But this just popped up. And yesterday, Michael had a great breakdown of the Patriots coming into the season, which you can find at VEASAN Live on Twitter. Always go back and check out the clips. But this just made me laugh, so I wanted to relay it to you. Uh, Mike Reese, who you know well, he got a quote from Joe Judge. So, again, the Patriots are coming into the season. They don't have an offensive coordinator that we know of. They don't have a defensive coordinator. Here is Joe Judge's quote about who he's going to be working with. Quote, I'm working with Mac along with some other people. I work with all the skill group. I'd say all of us are working collectively as a coaching unit to work with the entire offense. In terms of who is coaching each each position, you'll see me working with the quarterbacks. So it's starting to become very clear to me that your buddy Bill Belichick, this is this is concerted in the sense that he wants there to be some mystery around who's doing what, and even it sounds like there's some he's keeping everybody on their toes within the organization. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's accountable every single day. I mean, look, Matt Patricia's going to coach the line. I mean, they, they, let, they let Carmen, the, the offensive line coach last year, go to the Raiders. You know, and, and they loved Carmen. And Carmen was a really good coach for him, did a great job kind of getting that line going. But with Patricia, remember, Patricia's reputation is as a defense coordinator. That's how he became the head coach of the Lions. But his initial 
entree into the New England Patriots organization came on the offensive side. I mean, Dante was the one who brought him into New England. He was his intern. He was co- graduate assistant. Mm. So he has worked with the offensive line. Now, it's been a while, obviously. But one thing about being a defense coordinator and going over to the offensive side of the ball, you understand how teams want to attack you. You understand how to attack the protections. The fundamentals and the techniques that he's got to teach and convey to this offensive line is going to be the critical area. And then there's Joe Judge, and Joe's going to learn the offense. The one year he spent at receiver, he understands it. But they're retailering the offense back. So it's going to be a different version of what they all know. It's going to be simplified so everyone can understand it. And I think they're going to work out the kinks. And I don't think there's anything written in stone yet. I think the one thing that I know working with Coach Belichick is you're going to, you're going to have to prove you can keep doing it. And just because you get it doesn't mean you're naturally going to keep it. So could this have an adverse effect on Jones? Or is that just outsiders like myself that have no clue what's going on? Oh, I think it could happen. I think it certainly could because, look, the quarterback, you know, it's funny. I was working on Brady this morning, and and through Brady, it's certainly McDaniels. And since Brady, since 2002 or one when they won the Super Bowl, with the exception of the 08 season, the Patriots have scored to Brady's last year 8,033 points. They averaged just a shade under 28 points per game. Okay, over that long, long period of time with different names changing at receiver, offensive line, not not a quarterback, running back. But they understand how to move the football. And certainly Brady was instrumental in delivering those 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 key numbers. But that being said, now is the time for them to go back and try to get everybody back to that O2 level where they're just building something for Mac. I think that's what we'll see, the return. To think Mac's going to continue on the same program that Brady was on is a little bit far foreign. I know we did this yesterday, but just something that stood out to me. If we could throw that up, Matt Santos, the Patriots schedule. It's a very interesting first four weeks, isn't it? At yeah, the Dolphins, which is always tricky. Tomlin, you and I have talked about at the Steelers. Ravens at Packers. That is a gauntlet to start, Michael. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, well, look, you always look at a schedule – at who, what quarterbacks you're playing. Now, you got Tua, you got Trubisky. So, you got, you know, there's two games you got to split. You got to be able to find a way to win one of those two games. Then you get Lamar and you get Aaron, right? And then you get Jared Goff. Come, you get Jared Goff. And you get, maybe you get Watson in week six. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's a six game suspension. I don't know. But to me, when we're doing over unders, when we're looking at schedules, write down the quarterbacks you're facing. And they open up with two really good quarterbacks. They don't open up with two great, they don't have four great quarterbacks they open up with. You know, and then they get into the part of their schedule where it gets a little bit easier, whether it's the Lions with Goff, Watson may not be there, the Bears, is Fields going to be the guy? Who is it? The Jets, where's Zach Wilson? You know, and then Matt Ryan with the Colts before they get to the bye. So it starts hard. But the one thing you know, you're not starting against, you know, you're not starting against the elite quarterback. You're not starting against That's Patrick fair. Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You know, you're not starting that way. That that would be a lot harder. Week six at the Browns, as an aside, are you hearing anything about potential suspensions? No, but when you look at the Browns' initial schedule, when it comes out, I think they open up in Carolina. They play Atlanta. Uh, they, they play a they play Pittsburgh in week th- two of the season. I mean, it's it looks like it, it it's an easy way to get started. But who knows? I mean, I don't know how anybody can judge that. I really don't. 
Yeah, there you go. You got it. I mean, was this the schedule makers kind of trolling us with at the Panthers to start in case <laughs> in case Mayfield gets moved to the Panthers? It's just funny to me. I, I mean, I, I just find it so ironic that here he is <laughs> on, you know, a, the, the, and they did this last year. And I, and I still think it's going to happen. I think even with Matt Corral there and even with Sam Darnold, I do think Mayfield will end up playing for the Carolina Panthers. Will he be the starter on week one? I don't know that. I don't know that. But I do think there's that that's trending in a direction that it may happen. It could break down. Look, the Browns have no options. I mean, they have no options. The only thing they can do is hope for an injury and do the Sam Bradford thing. Okay, you're hurt. We'll trade you Sam Bradford, and here you go. And here's give us two number ones and see what you think. That's not going to happen. You know, their favorite in division, that being the Browns. It's, I know. Well, because they, you know, you, on paper, again, it's only paper, but they have a guy that fits what they do offensively. He, he's a movement quarterback who could throw the ball down the field. He can place drop back better than Mayfield can. And they've got Nick Chubb and they've got a bunch of good players. Kareem Hunt in the backfield, a really good offensive line. They've added some receivers to the team, whether you, whether you like and, uh, Amari Cooper or not, but he's there and he's explosive. So th- there's a lot to like about this Brown team. But what goes underneath the current a little bit with Cleveland is their inability to slow people down on third down last year and how bad their defense was at critical times of the season. They were everybody's darling last year. Remember coming in off the postseason loss in Kansas City, a lot of futures bets placed on the Browns last year. They finished 8-9. and nine. So, again, like you said, paper, it looks good. We shall see once we get to uh, the regular season. Okay. I teased you on it. So Drew Brees was, I don't know if it was a let go or they decided in unison with NBC that his time was done there. But then he tweeted out over the weekend what he might do. He said he might coach his kids. He might get involved in philanthropy. He might work for NBC again. And he might play football again. (laughs) I'm sure Jameis was thrilled to hear it. uh, But wow. Well, I mean, look, look, one thing we know about Drew Brees now, Drew Brees isn't playing football. I mean, you try to negotiate a contract with Drew Brees, I mean, and Tom Condon and his agent. You think Brees is coming back for the veteran minimum? I mean, you could forget about that. You know, he was due to make 20, I think he made 25 million his last year there when he played, you know, when when he really couldn't throw the ball over 10 yards. I mean, let's be clear here. I mean, the one thing we've seen at the end of Drew Brees' time in New Orleans, his inability to throw the ball down the field. We all, nobody would acknowledge it on air, but we all saw it. It was clear, and they did everything in their power to hide it. You know, the national broadcast, national media never talked about it. We as a betting network kept talking about how the offense was shrunk, and they couldn't do anything. So forget about him coming back to play. To me, that's ridiculous. First of all, who's going to pay him to come back to play? Who's going to give him the money? And, and, he, and can he even play? So let's, you know, so to me, this was about how do I spin the attention back on myself? Like, how do I spin it? You know, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post came out and said that he was got, basically they're separating, whatever that is, I don't know, and that he's not going to be part of, uh, of Football Night in America. He's going to move on. So, you know, maybe he is going to go do broadcasting. He wants to do broadcasting, but when he had that opportunity with NBC, it didn't really shine very brightly, whether it was college or pro. So you believe maybe the comeback tweet was a little jestful, maybe made in jest. I I mean, yeah, I think there's no doubt. I mean, I think there's no doubt. I think that, you know, it's just it's just a, a, you know, a way to kind of distract everybody and get people looking at different things and guessing. 
What is the need? That, that is an insatiable need for attention. If I had all that money, I'd love just to go and hide, read my books, travel. Well, they, you know, I mean, you're so used to getting the attention on you. You're That's so fair. used to. Yeah, from when they know, were kids. I mean, all of a sudden, you go from being you go from being popular and being, you know, to where nobody even knows who the hell you are. You know, it's like, okay. And you have to transition yourself to a second career. I mean, it happens to all of us, you know. You've got to find a second career. And, and some people, Peyton Manning, obviously, Tom Brady's going to do it. Some people do it really well. Some people are very reluctant to take that giant step forward. And he, obviously, he's so uber competitive. So if it was the perception was that he wasn't very good on NBC, like that probably fuels him, right? That he, he doesn't want to have yeah. his legacy left with something that was a failure. Right, and I'm sure it's not his fault that he wasn't good on TV. You know, I mean, you know, to me, television is about edge. You know, we talked about this with Hubie Brown. You've got to say things in a five sentence, three sentence at the minimum, at the maximum, where you're going to educate people on on the game. You know, educate them. Tell us about the game. What's going on inside the game? You know, what's happening? You know, we didn't even hear about the switches between both. You know, I mean, we're watching that NBA game, the stuff that, that the coaches were doing in the game. We didn't hear about it last night. We didn't get any of the details on why Dallas, a team that held a team to under 100 points, that was that never been held under 100 points, what, what they were doing defensively. Uh, and you get that with Hubie. By the way, Hubie doing what he's doing at 88, just as impressive as Tom, Tom Brady doing what he's doing at 44. Exactly. Well said, Patrick. Right, Very because well I mean, he his, hasn't lost his curiosity. It is his curiosity. He curiosity. He he's still out there, and you know, you listen to him. He talks about he's not in love with the, with the obsession of the three point play. He's not in love with that. He thinks basketball is about controlling the backboards, being physical. But he understands where the game is today. He's so curious and passionate, and that keeps him sharp. We'll be back. It's Lombardi line. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. 
Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hope you're having a nice Monday. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. It appears over my shoulder, Michael, they've got a bowling tournament going on here. Are you a good bowler? No. Me neither. No, Me no. neither. I'm terrible. No. Uh, um, I mean, it's a good event to go to. You know? It's good to have a couple beers and, and chill out, hang out with the friends, but... Yeah, that's not my thing. Uh, before, uh, Santos has got a bunch for us, including Comeback Player of the Year, which I want to ask you about. But before we do yeah. that, the, um, mm-hmm. we talked about Jason Kidd, who nets, bucks, and now is really thriving and seems to have really grown as a coach in his third iteration with the Mavs. Can you think of a good corollary as far as the NFL is concerned? I mean, most point to Belichick, of course, with the Browns, and, but uh, he, was a, he was a very good coach then. Um, but he has right. learned quite a bit. Can you think of somebody that really given a second or third opportunity in the NFL where maybe people were dubious and they really took advantage of this, of the opportunity? Well, I think Marv Levy was a good example. I mean, he got caught up in a bad situation in Kansas city when they had the strike and Frank Gans, the special teams coach kind of, this is so kind of took the team over. And then he had to go back to Canada where he was very good up in Canada. And then he came back to Buffalo in the right situation with the right team. So, you know, I, I mean, the NBA has a lot of guys that have gone through this metamorphosis. I mean, Lenny Wilkins, did he, you know, he was fired a couple of times before he became the good coach with the Cavs. But I think what makes Jason so good is is he has really worked hard at becoming a better leader, you know, and, and he's got his trusted guys that he has on the bench. Sean Sweeney, his his uh, defensive coach assistant, who's who's a friend of mine and does a wonderful job there. A very young coach, huge Notre Dame fan. Uh, but he is, you know, they get the players to buy in. It's all about getting the players to buy in. If you talk to anybody on the Maverick staff, the first thing they'll tell you is, Jason has been able to get the players to buy in, to do what they want them to do. When you look at the opposite of that is when you see Doc wanting to get his team to do it, they, they didn't do it. They didn't buy in. Right. Now, where's that disconnect? That's Maury's job to figure it out. You know, and that disconnect that happened in Milwaukee, you know, I think what Jason was able to do was learn how to connect better. And look, they've got, they've got their best player 
connected to what they want to do. Again, the Jeff Van Gundy quote, you know, your best player must set the tone of intolerance for anything that's in the way of winning. And, and Luca has been doing that. He's bought in to what Jason's selling. Last year with Carlisle, it wasn't the case. There was a lot of tension within that organization with Carlisle. And, you know, they weren't kind of where they needed to go. And give Mark Cuban credit. He made a decision to hire a guy that wasn't it wasn't a popular hire by no means, but it's proven to be a really good hire. And Jason has improved has improved his coaching. It's been well documented, so I'm not, you know, gossiping. But I think Jason Kidd has matured as a human being off the court, which has in turn made him a better coach and more focused. You know, he went through a lot and now he seems to be a different person, which is the focus now is all about coaching. Well, I think what he's done is accepted his second career, right? You know, I mean, he's a competitive guy. He wants to have a great second career. And so he's he's no longer – he realizes there's more to this coaching than just, hey, I'm Jason Kidd, let's play. Like, right. yeah, you were a great player. I mean, 90% of these guys don't even remember Jason Kidd as a player. That's half the battle. You know, it's, it's like you, you go to an NFL locker room today and you start talking about some of your great players from the past. Half the guys don't even know who the hell they are. I mean, I promise you, Belichick this weekend with that rookie class went through a lot of the great Patriot players that have played on that field before. And I'm not talking about just the, the recent from 20, from Brady on. I'm talking about John Hanna, one of the great players. You, you know, Andre Tippett. You know, you've got to educate the players on these paths. And when you can get them to buy into their heritage and their history, you tune them into what you want to do. Marv Levy's a great one. I for some, I thought Andy Reid, but Andy Reid's had such an interesting career because he was so good as the Eagles coach, never broke through. He just had the one bad. He had the one bad year. I mean, and and and, and I think Andy got to the point in Philly where it became a little bit, you know, his voice. I mean, this happens to great coaches too. Your voice, you know, because you're in front of them all the time. You know, you, you've got to have a message that resonates. And I think sometimes, you know, they're not listening to me. I mean, there's a great clip of Brady and Belichick down in New Orleans where, you know, Belichick's complaining at, uh, about how he can't get the team to tune in. He can't seem to get them going. And, you know, and that happens to all coaches. How do you change that? And when there's strife from within, when you have that conflict, it becomes very challenging. I mean, it's pretty clear Doc can't get anybody to buy into what he's selling. Is it Doc's fault? I don't know. I think it's the, I think it's the best player's fault because he, he's, not, he's never bought into anybody. He's on his own program. You know, we, I lamented the futility of the Detroit Lions, and while we were talking about this, I just thought of something. I don't think the Lions have ever had a head coach, ever, that's went on to become a head coach elsewhere. That, I'm going to look this up, but it might, I'm pretty sure throughout their history, they've never had a head coach. You mean as an assistant coach? No, as like the, the Detroit Lions head coach, then went on to be a head coach elsewhere. Meaning that they just, they got with Detroit. Well, they had Walt Parker. They had Walt, they had, uh, you know, they had, they've had a few back in the 50s. Maybe, right? yeah, back in the championship days in the 50s before back the merger. In the, when they were good, they did. But since that time, I mean, they've I mean, had. Look, they've been an organization that has been rudderless because they've had this corporate mentality. They've had this, you know, they don't understand really what culture. they got an accountant now running the team, overseeing everything. They're bringing ex-players back in, you know, Rick, uh, Chris Spielman, you know, because he, you know, this is what he, because they, they listen to him on TV. They think he knows what he's doing, saying. And so this is where they are. And yeah. they hired a new general manager who was never really involved with the pro game. He's been a college scout. So it's going to take some time. 
we've, we've, it's been taking time since 1957. Okay. Comeback yeah. player of the year. Oh my goodness. It, um, you know, some of these are fascinating. These are numbers uh, via bet MGM. What's fascinating to me is the shortest number as far as comeback player of the year is Derek Henry at three and a half to one. Jameis Winston at six and a half to one. And then Deshaun Watson, seven to one. Deshaun Watson was suspended. How is he? How does he qualify as comeback? Two years ago, he's a top five quarterback. He didn't play last year because of. of, Yeah, I don't understand what the qualification is. Let's throw up the numbers. Take a look, Michael. Three and a half. How is Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry was awesome last year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a pretty group right there. You know, I mean. McCaffrey, if he could play for 16 games at 16 to one, jumps out. It's just so does J.K. Dobbins. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield. I think if Baker Mayfield, I, look, I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. I think his limitations in drop back pass game I've documented numerous times. But I do think he's got a competitive fiber to him. And I think if he gets into a situation like the NFC South where he's playing for Carolina, they're going to run the ball. They've got a good defense. They're going to play. You know, he could do some good things. I don't think Mariota would stay healthy. I'm not sure I could say that Trubisky's going to be the starter. Michael Thomas, you know, it's all the – to me, if Michael Thomas is getting numbers, you're better off betting Winston because Winston's the guy giving him the numbers. Speaking of Michael Thomas – um, so we do it. But I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, like, I don't get the is... qualifications. I don't get the stipulations like, like Deshaun Watson's. And I'm trying to be careful here, but the, you know, it wasn't like he's coming back from something. He's coming back from being suspended two years ago. As you said, he was a top three quarterback. What he did with Houston two I, years I... ago. Right. So let's take Henry, for example, right? Henry's got, you know, he carried the ball over 200 times last year. He scored 10 touchdowns rushing. You know, he didn't have 1,000 yards, but he had 937 yards. I mean, uh, What's that he coming is a back pretty from? good year for Playing most great? backs, He's right? coming back from being awesome? Like, that's the comeback? Yeah, I mean, like, how is that, you know, like, how does that qualify as a comeback? You know, <laughs> like, I could see if he missed the – like, Deontay Foreman, you know, when he just shows up off the street and averages 4.3 and he didn't have a career, there's a comeback for you. You know, but, like, I don't get that one as a comeback, you know? It's like saying Ryan Tannehill is going to be comeback player. He started 17 games. He didn't play as well as he did last year. He did three years ago. Does that mean he's going to come back? I don't know. You know, what's fascinating about McCaffrey at 16 to one. It does a player, does the success of a organization hinge upon a player more? If McCaffrey's healthy, you, you got, you got a good team. <laughs> like they're going to score. They could do things differently offensively. Yeah, but the problem is you say that the problem is he's never healthy. He's, n- he's you, literally you have to never quantify healthy. It. I mean, He's never healthy. I mean, the last two years, he's played 10 games. He's played 10 games, you know? And so before, he's played five years in the league. He's played, he started 52 games. It's average is 10 games a year, you know? And so, like, you know, the, three years ago in 19, when he was offensive player of the year, he was third place. He was at Pro Bowl. You know, he was sensational. He was gained 1,300 yards rushing at 15 touchdowns. You know, he was, you know, averaged, you know, at 58 receptions. He was doing tremendous, but we haven't seen him since then. The irony about McCaffrey. The hamstring. I mean, of all things, he's got a hamstring. In week three of the season, he put, then he got a shoulder. I mean, in 10, he played three. Since Matt Rule's been there, he's played 10. So if you're Matt Rule, how do you even count on him? You almost go now, into to it. To me, he qualifies for, for I agree. comeback player because if he posts those 19 numbers, he wins. You know, that offensive staff, you almost go into it as thinking of him as a bonus. Like, if we get him. He's a luxury. A I, luxury I say he's a complete luxury. A, yeah. a complete luxury. 
And it, it, the irony is he's the one always on Instagram flexing about his workouts and stuff like that. Dude, yeah, stay well, healthy. <laughs> durability matters. Dur yeah, it certainly does. Okay, we got more to come here. Lombardi Line, Josh is joining us next. to the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Spring is in the air and we've got a spring special vsin.com/spring. It's 59 bucks. Think about what you get for $59 all the way through July 31st. You get everything, including Adam Burke's daily best bets in Major League Baseball, Jonathan Von Tobel all the way through the NBA Finals, Andy McNeil all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've got everything, including preseason coverage, the NFL. And, you know, remember, you got golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, plenty of ways to make money, and we've got you covered with the spring special, including Point Spread Weekly. It's vcin.com slash spring. That's vcin.com slash spring. As we got you back here, should be starting to warm up over there on the east coast we're actually here in vegas you're going to start to see ones it's you know the temperature for the next four months is going to start with a one whether it's 100 yeah. 101 115 but we we're not going to get many nines moving forward here michael lombardi it's going to be hot, now, hot when hot. do the nines come in september the nines start to come yeah i mean it's september is pretty still pretty hot but you're going to get the nines then you really April, May, June, July, July and August, it's all 100s. You're never going to see a nine. But September is still pretty much 100s. Uh, you're, you'll see. Mick and the family, they're, they're going to – it's an adjustment, although they probably got a sweet pool. No? They got a nice pool, we got, you know, but you got little kids. You got to make sure you, get, you, can't, you can't just let them run around back there. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful with the king and the crew yeah. in the back there. Yeah. Get a lifeguard out there. Uh, we have yeah, no our doubt. buddy Josh Applebaum joining us, who he got the Boston split this weekend. So on Saturday, when he had his rager at the house, the new house, uh, his Bruins lost to Carolina. And then yesterday, a little uplifting, right? Because the Celtics beat up on the Bucks. And by the way, you didn't really have to sweat that game much there, Josh. Yeah, Patrick, Michael, great to with you. Michael, by the way, congrats on finishing your book. Epic, epic accomplishment. You there. finished can't wait, it? Can't wait to read it. So yeah, yeah I Patrick, did. you didn't I see did. the tweet? No, I didn't. So it's all done. Well, it's not. And, you know, now I, I send the manuscript to my editor of the publisher and then, you know, we have to shape the book. It's much longer than. Thank you, Josh, for mentioning. It's much yeah. longer than I think they anticipated. It's going to be. I mean, I submitted one hundred and sixty five thousand words <laughs> over four hundred fifty pages. So, you know, it's it's a, it became a longer project than I initially I thought. But to me, once I got into it and it felt it just felt more comfortable doing it that way. So we still haven't had a title, which is probably the most disappointing thing that, that I have, because to me, then you can start selling the book if you have a title. Yeah, good job with that, Josh. Congratulations, Michael. That's awesome. And I've had an opportunity to read a couple sections of it, and it's going to be awesome. I, 450 pages. Is that what you told me? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what, you, you know, when you turn it in, I mean, that's what it looks. It's 162,000 words. I don't know how much that'll translate. Plus, it's going to get edited down. So, but I don't, you know, there's a, the, the 100 players that I wrote up are, is a 98,000 words, and I don't think I want to lose any of those words. So, well, it is always interesting for me. I work with Tolstoy and Oscar Wilde in the middle there, and I'm just a guy that <laughs> writes nothing. Uh, of course, Josh, with the Everything Guide to Sports Betting as well. Um, so series prices, I thought 
the Warriors seemed a little heavy. The Celtics being 165-ish favorites, that's, it seemed about right, Josh. Yeah, seems about right here. And kind of what surprised me, guys, is, you know, this early game one line. So you mentioned it, Patrick. You know, even though you're having this the Celtics here, you know, coming off that long series against the Bucks, and you look at kind of the rest advantage here, Miami hasn't played, you know, since the 12th. They've been off since Thursday. You look at Boston, again, they played Sunday. It was notable to me with that game, guys. You know, heavy betting on the dog there. Fade the trend dog opportunity. Line didn't move off Celtics minus five. So that kind of told us some liability on Boston. But yeah, Patrick, Celtics minus 165 to win the series. I'm seeing some other books, BetMGM, you're closer to around minus 185. But really what I'm looking at, guys, is maybe jumping on the Celtics a little bit early here because we're showing minus one and a half for game one tomorrow uh, in favor of the Miami Heat. We've looked at where this opened. It actually opened right as that game ended yesterday, uh, last night. It opened at minus two and a half heat. So the heat open laying two and a half. They're getting a slight majority of bets. They have this big rest advantage. They're at home ready to go. Yet we've seen over the last 24 hours, Celtics plus two and a half uh, fall to plus two. Now to plus one and a half. I see one book going to plus one. So this line is moving toward Boston again, despite the fact that the heat are rested and ready to go. You've also seen a big line move here to the under, you know, open at a very low 206. I think anytime the public sees such a low number, it's like if they got to, you know, they got to go over, they got to at least score hundred each or a little bit more than that. Yet we've seen it fall to 204. So this would match up in terms of unders guys. They've been awesome this postseason, 49 and 26, 65%. The real uh, system match here would be unders that fall at least a half point. 29 and 12, 71%. So looking at this line going to Boston, looking at this under falling a bit. Then you also go to that Mavs Warriors game. That's falling plus five and a half down to plus five in favor of Luka right now. In favor, yeah, I think there is going to be, you know, market can be swayed by an individual player, Michael. And Luka is certainly that one yeah. that people are gravitating towards right now. Right. I think it's also, too, there's this fallacy that, you know, Miami's on this rest, right? But Boston's, you know, one thing about these series, you want to keep playing. You, you kind of, they're in a groove. They're going, you know, and they're playing well. And I think the better sees that as, hey, they're playing well. They're playing, they're, 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 they're competing. And I don't, and I, like I said, I, I didn't see anywhere of the rest at all of, of being tired in that game as hard as they played too. I thought they played really hard Boston and they kept playing hard. Are you bullish on your Celtics? And I'll ask you as an overview but also how about coming up tomorrow night down in Miami? You know, I think the turnaround lends itself to this number, Josh. Where, where are you at on the series and uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday? So, I mean, if you're getting Miami Heat, number one seed, home court advantage, plus money, and what are they, Patrick, like plus 150? I mean, I can't argue with anyone laying that number. I think if you're going to bet Boston, maybe you're going to look at, you know, rolling over the money line or taking the points in these spots. The situation Celtics are in in game one, they've done very well this year as a dog, including the postseason. They're 5-0 and against the spread as a dog on the year, including the regular season. They're 18-8 and against the spread as a dog. And I think if you're bullish on the Celtics, it's because when their backs are against the wall, they've won every time. You know, you lose, uh, you know, a game to Milwaukee, you come back the next game, you win it. The fact that they've had that bounce back factor and, you know, Grant Williams, a guy that you don't really expect much from, he's hitting, you know, threes every time you look back at the game. So to me, that's why you're liking the Celtics. It's not just Tatum. It's not just Brown. You're getting some support here uh, from other players. And then also, you know, looking at the playoff or NBA Finals MVP guys, Keep an eye on Jason Tatum. He opened plus 1,200. He's down to plus 275. He's only getting 8% of bets, but almost 15% of money. And the Suns getting knocked out. That's been a godsend to a lot of these sports books because a lot of these, you know, finals MVP with Booker, with Chris Paul, they're all done. All these futures are done with the Suns. So I think the odds makers are excited. Curry's still the favorite here, as he should be. But Tatum's had a big move in his favor. And you've got to imagine if the Celts can, you know, get banner 18 here, Tatum's probably going to be the guy to lead him there. 
You would think so until Grant Williams attempts 18 three-pointers <laughs> in a game seven, yeah. which, I mean, he didn't even come into the league as a shooter. It's, it's like, it's, it's really otherworldly. It shows his work ethic, right? He shows sure. he's changed his game. He's worked at it. And, you know, it's one thing to work at. It's another thing to have confidence to do it, right? I mean, he had confidence to do it. I mean, and they, were, they doubled down. They said he wouldn't be able to keep making shots. He wouldn't be able to take the shots. He would get scared by the That's presence right. of game seven. And he didn't. Yeah, you nailed it. And credit his coach for having confidence in him as well. Is is the buzz real and legit there for the Celtic team there in New England, Josh? Well, we got no other choice right now, Patrick. Bruins are done. The Red Sox are terrible. I would say, Michael, I wanted to mention this to you, and Patrick said it was going to be hot. Do you personally know Ernie Adams? And did you see when they unveiled the schedule and he's going through each game? He's got a little comment. He said, Miami, game one, going to be hot down there. I, I started <laughs> laughing. That was, that was fantastic. Well, I could say this. I've been with Ernie before, and one of the one thing that stands out to me, I used to say all the time, Ernie had this unique ability that he had like Batman's utility belt with him all the time. So we're getting ready to take a trip. We're leaving Cleveland. It's it's two weeks before the draft. It's in the middle of April. We're gonna fly a private plane to North Dakota. Then we're gonna go from North Dakota. We're going to Nebraska, then Kansas State. We're gonna end up working out Andre Ware down at Houston, and we're gonna do it all in a matter of four, six hours, right? We land in North Dakota to work out this offensive center, and it's a blizzard. 90-mile-an-hour winds coming in one direction. I mean, I could still see when we landed a plane. I'm like, how did this happen? I get off the plane. It's the winds blowing me around. Ernie's completely dressed perfectly for the weather. None of us, including Belichick or Nick Saban, had anything to keep us warm. We're freezing. And then the next place, he had another outfit. I mean, it was just unbelievable. He, he is truly a savant when it comes to the weather. So preparedness is his thing. Like he was always a step yeah, no ahead. Doubt. Okay. So now you yeah, understand. Meanwhile, the whole, the whole trip, he's reading Shelby Foote's book about this history of the Civil War. And <laughs> of course. I mean, and, and I'm just trying to stay warm. <laughs> we talked about that, the uh, schedule and veil. You know, a lot of teams went glossy with it. I thought Ernie Adams at that whiteboard, just reading the schedule, was a stroke of brilliance. He never, from PR. you know, it's funny they put the whiteboard, they should have put the blackboard up there, although he did get to whiteboards. He never changed to, to he, they, he always had a beta cam in his office. He never went to digital video. <laughs> they still had to make a beta cam for him because he didn't quite, like Al Davis, he didn't know how to work the remote on the other way. That is hilarious. <laughs> That is great. Hey, Josh, by the way, Tampa Bay and Florida, it might be the series that I've looked forward to more than any in the Stanley Cup playoffs over the last, like, 10 years. What's the series price before we get out of here? I don't have it in front of me, Patrick, but I would say it's going to be a great series. Keep an eye out for the totals in that one. You've seen a lot of overs hit. I could see a lot of, you know, 5-4 games, yes. something like that. Overs are, like, 65% in the playoffs. That's going to be a great series, Patrick. Market Insights is the pod. Betting Across America is the show. He is Josh Applebaum. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Good luck today, guys. Okay, thank you, Josh. Coming back here, Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. 
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's the loyalty program over at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Unleash the spirit of Vegas with BetMGM rewards. You can also convert those rewards. So it's like a credit card. Every time you bet at BetMGM or use the app, you get reward points, which are redeemable for online bonuses. You can also convert them into comps at MGM Resorts Nationwide. So check it out. It's a great loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks. 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Michael Lombardi there. I'm Patrick Maher here. This is the Lombardi Line on a Monday. Hope you had a nice weekend as we got you back here. Um, You know, so much was made about Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill. Mm. Well, here's a feel-good story. New Orleans Saints rookie Chris Olave is learning on the fly with his new teammate, Michael Thomas. We talked about the Saints on the show yesterday and that receiving core uh, obviously taking a big step forward with Thomas returning. They drafted Olave. They signed Jarvis Landry. But Thomas welcomed the fellow Ohio State receiver over FaceTime shortly after he was drafted and then invited Olave to come stay with him and work out. Olave right. said, I couldn't turn it down, who spent a week and a half with Thomas before flying to New Orleans for this weekend's rookie minicamp. So it's a nice little feel-good story out of uh, New Orleans there with the wide receivers, Michael. And, 
and different situation, right? Sure. Three receivers are on the field 90%, 85% of the time in the National Football League now. There's only one quarterback on the field. You know, so they're, you know, the competition amongst Willis and Tannehill is different than Alave and Thomas. Yes. You know, there's three guys going to be on the field. So there's a different set of camaraderie. It's like offensive linemen kind of herd themselves together. You know, they're not competing against, they're competing against a guy for a position, but there's five guys going to play. And your boy, to, to his credit, Malik Willis was quoted as saying, quote, it was never anything negative. Ryan's a good dude. Everything yeah. is cool. He had us over to the house the other day and gave us a little bit of game regarding what comes with the process. I mean, so much was made about that. Taniel was being, you know, Taniel was very open also about having to go to therapy after that loss in the postseason. I, I thought he was awesome in that press conference. You know, I, I do too. I think we just, you know, there's a story that wants to get put out there, and then there's the real story if you analyze it. And we, as as consumers of so much data, we've got to be able to make that decision because there's a story that's being fed to us. If you want to buy it, go ahead. There's the reality of it, you know, and so I think that's what we have to, as consumers of information, you've got to. It's the same thing in, 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 in data, you know, there's so much information coming to you in terms of what determines the NBA game, what happens in the NFL. You've got to make that decision on what's really relevant and what isn't. Well, speaking of Alave, let's go ahead and throw the graphic up for Michael. NFL offense, great, great job by Matt Santos as always. NFL offensive rookie of the year. Let's go ahead through these numbers and we can kind of paint the bigger picture, right? While looking at these numbers, you see Alave down there at 11 to one along with the Chiefs receiver, Sky Moore, Kenneth Walker running back there with Seahawks, also 11 to one. Then you go to the top. Kenny Pickett is five to one to be the NFL offensive rookie of the year. Drake London behind him at eight and a half to one. So quite a drop off there, Michael. Well, I, I think, you know, Drake London, I mean, first of all, Drake London's got a couple things going against him. He's got a bad offensive line blocking his quarterback, and he's got a quarterback who has a propensity to get injured. And we hope he does it in Marcus Mariota, but he does past performance predicts future achievement. So if you're going to play, lay down Drake London as a potential guy to be rookie of the year, you're counting on Mariota to have a good year. You know, whereas if you're going to p play it with Pickett, you're, you're counting on Pickett winning the starting job against Mitchell Trubisky, which, you know, you could make that case. And you're counting on him having a decent year. Will he have a Mac Jones year? I don't know. You know, will he have a Mac Jones year? I mean, I think if I felt good about the Jets, I like Bryce Hall at plus, what is that, plus 800? Yep. You know, do I think Garrett Wilson's? I don't think they're the same value because I think when you look at the Jets, Corey Davis is going to get some balls. Elijah Moore is going to get some ball. Braxton Barrios is going to get some ball. I mean, is there going to be enough to really make Wilson stand out? Maybe he's an elite player above and beyond those guys. I'm not so sure about that. You know, Jamison Williams – can a, can a guy go to a team that's not very good and get rookie of the year that's a receiver? To me, I think Christian Watson at 850, you know, he's fast, he's athletic, and he's going to be on the field and he's got the best quarterback. So to me, I like Bryce Hall and Watson of that group that you just put up there. I mean, it is, I guess, within the realms of possibility that Christian Watson could be wide receiver one there in, in his rookie year. Well, it, I don't know if it matters if he's one or two, but he's going to get the ball. Yeah, he's, he's going to get the he's ball. Gonna he's going to get, get a ton, ton of looks. Yep. He's going to get looks. I mean, what we're talking about is getting looks, right? We're talking about the, can he learn the offense and can he get looks? Is he going to be able to – is he going to be Devontae Adams? No. Look, we understand he's not going to be Devontae Adams. But what we want to be able to do is, you know, we know Devontae Adams had 170 targets last year. 
So that's a lot of targets that he looked for. Scantling, Valdez Scantling had 55. So now we're talking about 230 targets have to be distributed somewhere along the way. Right? They threw it 570 times last year. So you got to feel like if this kid stays healthy, doesn't pull a hamstring, learns the offense, he's going to get 100 targets. Just by simple right. math, he's going to get 100 targets. And if he gets 100 targets and he catches 70 balls and they win, he's got a chance to be rookie of the year. You can throw up that long shot. I mean, Let's, go ahead. Go think ahead, about this. Think about this. What makes the Packers offense so damn effective is not the scheme and design, and I don't mean to, dis, to, to discredit LaFleur. However, it's the, it's the ability of the quarterback to be pinpoint accurate. I mean, Adams had 169 targets last year. He caught 123 balls. That ratio is remarkable. It's remarkable. I mean, you know, the, Scanling had 55 attempts. He only caught 26 balls. Tells you the difference between the players, right? Even even Randall Cobb had 39 balls thrown to him. He caught 28. That that's what you want. You want that, and that quarterback makes that happen. Let's throw up the second list for Michael. See if anything stands out there. NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Some some deeper and longer odds on some of these. You see Corral at 20 to one. You see dots in the wide receiver. I mean, I think these are guys for next year. I, I mean, look, Spiller could be an interesting play at 40-1 to 1 because, you know, I know Eckler's a hot guy in fantasy, and he certainly is, is a really good player, but can he actually stay healthy? Spiller, could he be the back that comes in and runs and kind of carries their offense and vaults them up the, up the road? I think that's certainly something to consider. You know, I, I don't see, you know, do I trust Carson left-handed Wentz to throw the ball to Dotson? Did they answer that? I'll give it to you quickly is no. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't see how that happens. Hey, there's your boy Malik Willis sitting at 25 to one on the board. <laughs> would you consider yeah, that I mean, St. Jude's? Like, you know, yes, I would. I think so. That's the same. I mean, he, I mean, first of all, he's not ready to play. It's not fair to the kid to put him in there. You know, it, it, it's going to be a challenge for him just to get to be the backup, you know, to be the backup. You know, I think you want to follow a guy who's going to comp. I mean, look, what what made Mac Jones successful last year? Well, the Patriots had a good offense. They schemed around him. Okay, he didn't win Rookie of the Year, but he could have. What made what made uh, Jamar Chase? Joe Burrow. I mean, if they don't have Joe Burrow, uh, is Chase the Rookie of the Year? I doubt it. Right. Right. No, you're 100 percent right. You are 1,000. So you've got to pair up. You've got to pair up the back. I mean, James Cook, the running back. You know, really a huge void for Buffalo, the running back. I mean, Devin Singletary is a good player. Is he a full-time player? But you get this Georgia running back who's got good size. He's got versatility to go with Josh Allen. And if he goes in there and takes over and, you know, Buffalo plays as well offensively as we think we do, there's a chance. It's 16-1, to 1, pretty good odds. Well, I think he nailed it. I think Watson's a great choice because you got to pair up opportunity and circumstance. Right? You, this, right? This isn't because just about individual talent. It's a mathematical. It's a mathematical game. You've got to figure. You got a. You got to figure out reps to get players ready, and you got to figure out who's going to make up for the the 169 looks that Adams got. Now you say, well, he got him because he's Adams. Okay, he was doubled quite a bit, but he still got him. Somebody's somebody's going to get those looks. Maybe they might not get 170 of them. Maybe they'll get 100. And then if he catches 70 passes of the 100, which is the ratio, which isn't even, which is probably not even a good ratio considering how well Rodgers throws the ball, you know, you're looking at 70 catches and averaging, you know, and if they win, 
Well, see, he replaced them. He did a nice job. I think it's a smart play. So those of us, and that's all of us that haven't written a book, what happens now? You, you finish your end of it, which is a billion words, and you send it off to the publisher? You send it to the publisher, you send it to your, your, your agent, your book agent, and then you, you, they're going to send you back the changes that they want to make. There's a lot of things I still need to do on the book that I got to start making a list, but at least I have two huge documents that is a manuscript that I can then start to tailor and work on. And then I've got to go through and, and make sure that everything is kind of copacetic and the, the mistakes that I've made along the way correct. And you're happy with it. You're happy with the book. I, I, I'm happy with the last, I'm happy with the probably three quarters of it. I think the beginning of the book, like anything you start, it's never kind of, it gets better as it goes along. So we'll just go back. But at least now the pressure of having to turn the manuscript is is no longer, I mean, I'm a two and a half months late on the manuscript. You got it, it done. longer than I thought. That's all that matters. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Quite, quite an Thank achievement. Thank you, Patrick. Okay. Enjoy your day off, Michael. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay? Yeah, you too. Okay. We'll get ready for the Preakness. I'll be ready for that yeah, Preakness. We'll, we'll, we'll get into I'm gonna, it. I'm going to check all the hay out all over. <laughs> Odds on next. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.